This is AgriPulse Open Mic. I'm your host, Jeff Nally. Our guest this week is Iowa U.S. Senator Joni Ernst. AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by the American Sugar Alliance. The American Sugar Alliance is a national coalition of sugar farmers, processors, refiners, and suppliers dedicated to preserving a strong sugar industry. Learn more at sugarreliance.org. AgriPulse Open Mic continues with Iowa Senator Joni Ernst next. Sugar subsidies in 120 countries are on the rise and threatening 142,000 U.S. jobs. That's why the American Sugar Alliance is pushing for a global subsidy ceasefire. Their goal is a subsidy-free world market that fosters efficiency. And they know that unilateral disarmament of America's no-cost policy without concessions from abroad will only outsource U.S. jobs and reward foreign subsidizers. The plan is called the Zero for Zero Sugar Policy. You can learn more at SugarAlliance.org. This is AgriPulse Open Mic. Legislation that would curtail the Environmental Protection Agency's new clean water rule is expected to come before the U.S. Senate this week. One proposal would charge the EPA to write a new proposal, considering a broader base of input. Another, sponsored by Senator Joni Ernst, is a joint resolution of disapproval. The Iowa Republican says the EPA's Waters of the U.S. definition is far overreaching. This is an area where the federal government continues to exert such pressure that it is strangling uh, innovation and creativity out in the United States, not only in Iowa but across the country. It's very confusing for our farmers, for our ranchers, small business uh, personnel, our, our manufacturers. It is very confusing. They don't understand the rules. The rules aren't clear. They're not specific. And it's created uh, quite a bit of chaos out there. It is overreaching by our federal government. And I do believe that this particular rule, Waters of the U.S., uh, does need to go away. Now, what I have proposed is a joint resolution of disapproval. It's a, con- you know, using the Congressional Review Act. A joint resolution of disapproval that uh, would disapprove the rule uh, from the EPA and the Army Corps of Engineers, and it would truly just wipe the rule out. Initially a stay for 13 states with the rule implemented in 37, then another stay issued from Ohio for the nation. Yes. Most suggest it's not a permanent stay. Uh, again, the litigation, does it lead to legislation? Yes, I think it does. I think this will spur a number of us into action because our court systems have determined that, uh, you know, the, the merits and claims of this bill is not worth it. It's an ill-advised rule and I believe it will ultimately go down in the courts. Uh, but again, in the meantime, uh, we will have to do something to make sure that we are protecting our own constituents. So I applaud the Sixth Circuit of, of Appeals in Ohio for, you know, putting the stay on across the 50 states. But again, we have to do something about this as well. Um, it is a temporary stay. We can't depend that it will go down in the courts, although I am hopeful. But let's send a strong message to the EPA that it's ignoring the voices and legitimate concerns that that we have been raising and those that are directly impacted by this expanded definition in WOTUS, making sure that their voices are heard as well. Many would see the Chesapeake Bay as a crucible 
between uh, states' rights, between federal government and private property owners' rights. Now some of those same questions about water quality have come to Iowa. Is your state now another crucible for land and water and rights issues? Well, I do believe so. I, I think that uh, most uh, farmers are the best conservationists out there. And we see a case now where Des Moines Water Works has, has joined in a, a lawsuit against a number of counties and is suing them over the water quality. And it's something that I hate to see where we've gone to litigation to try and solve a problem. Um, if there was a problem, we wish that the communities would have worked together to find appropriate solutions. So this is not something that we want to see play out in the courts. We do think that there are other ways of solving problems. So when the government steps in and is making decisions for property owners, I think that's very bad. Can we help guide them in many areas? Certainly. And um, many of our farmers and ranchers are those that are leading the charge in conservation and water quality. So we want to make sure that we are including their voices in any discussion that is out there, not just mandating from the federal government or from a certain community that this this will be done. I think that we need to work in cooperation. Fellow Iowan and Secretary of Agriculture Tom Vilsack recently suggesting uh, and, and looking for public private partnerships that could help to increase uh, the quality of water and, and, and to diffuse the situation. Yes, and I, I think that is a very good statement coming from Secretary Vilsack. I do think, again, we need to collaborate. We need to work together. Uh, we certainly don't want to see uh, the courts making decisions all across the state of Iowa or any other any other state. Um, these are things that should be worked out at the very uh, base level. Um, it shouldn't be elevated so quickly. I think that uh, we all should strive to work together to find solutions that work for our own individual communities. In the House of Representatives' language with regard to labeling for foods that may contain ingredients that are genetically enhanced, discussion on the Senate Agriculture Committee about the safety of uh, foods that might either be genetically modified or have right. ingredients. Uh, you're a wife, you're a mom, uh, you have mm-hmm. guests that come to your home. You bet. Do you have any concern whatsoever about consuming food that might have been genetically enhanced or that contain those ingredients? Oh, absolutely not. Um, and matter of fact, I've never had, and we do have a lot of guests. Um, you know, my husband has served in the Army as well, and we have a lot of out-of-state friends that will come and stay with us. Never once do they ask about, oh, is this supper prepared with foods that have GMOs or anything like that? Um, but I don't have any concerns. You know, we've I've grown up on a farm, and, and I know that that most of what we grow in Iowa when we're looking at row crops is from technology uh, and I believe is safe through, you know, genetically modified organisms or GMOs. So I do think it is important from my standpoint, uh, many of us that are in agricultural areas understand that we feed and fuel the world. 
and not only for our own uh, global food security, but also from a context that I fully understand is national security, making sure that uh, countries are, or developing nations have enough food for their populations. We contribute that to them. Um, so that's where GMOs are extremely important. And again, when we have stable nations overseas, we are less likely to see our own freedoms assaulted. Whether afraid or concerned of those products or not, there are those who argue that there is a right to know as a consumer. Should there be federal policy and what would be the downside or what would be the advantage of 50 different states and 50 different sets of labeling laws? Well, downside. All I see right there is a downside if we do have 50 different labels on, you know, thousands and thousands of products out there. So I do think that there could be a, a federal level um, discussion and, and we are seeing that. Hopefully we'll be taking it up soon in the Senate about what a labeling standards should be. So it, it should state, you know, what products are included, that's fine, but a, a standard label, uh, the impact to producers, the impact to those manufacturers and food processors, if we had 50 different labels, 50 different standards, uh, would be very, very detrimental to our industry. We need funding for a transportation bill for highways and infrastructure in the U.S., uh, approaching another short-term patch at the end of the month. Is there a source that could find a majority in the House and the Senate to fund this bill in the long term? I think that they can work on that. Um, I, I know earlier this year I supported uh, and the Senate did pass a bipartisan six-year transportation authorization. It was called the, the DRIVE Act, Developing a Reliable and Innovative Vision for the Economy. I was very happy to support that act. Um, we know that we have issues with our roads, our bridges, our infrastructure. So we did pass this through the Senate. The House has a a different bill, um, and we know that it will take a little bit of time to come together in a conference committee, but I am uh, very hopeful that we will address this issue. Senator, we are facing um, an apparent decision from the World Trade Organization with regard to our country of origin labeling laws. The House has addressed, but has the Senate taken action, and do you see Senate action on our country of origin labeling? Uh, I do see action on that. We have not addressed that yet in our Senate Agricultural Committee. There has been a lot of discussion on this, and many of us are in different camps on what the solution is. Uh, I do support full repeal uh, of country of origin labeling. Uh, the World Trade Organization has ruled against us multiple times. Uh, I would like to remove the threat coming from Canada and Mexico against our products. Um, there is the, the voluntary labeling, which has been recommended by uh, Ranking Member Stabenow on the Agricultural Committee. Uh, I don't support that effort, but again, neither bill has been brought forward in the Agricultural Committee. So I don't want to see retaliation against our producers in the United States. 
Canada has already made a threat that even if we go to a voluntary uh, labeling standard that they would push back and, and retaliate yet once again. So I would rather avoid that and, and move the United States forward. But again, we're going to have to have some very serious discussion about this in our Ag Committee before we can move it out to, onto the floor of the Senate. Many in agriculture are quite concerned in what the Environmental Protection Agency will say with regard to volume requirements under the Renewable Fuel Standard. How much is at stake in the EPA's decision on volumes of renewable fuel? Oh, my heavens. There is a lot at stake here. And I have been pushing very hard. I know Senior Senator Chuck Grassley of Iowa has been pushing very hard on this issue, uh, encouraging the EPA to go back to the original congressional intent of our volumes. Um, we need to see the higher levels out there encouraging development and ingenuity in our renewables industries. Uh, this is very important, not just because these are products that are being uh, developed in Iowa, uh, but it is important to our agricultural committee across the United States because so many states are embarking in this uh, venture, but also because uh, if we turn to our friends on the left, you know, that support a clean environment, we know that these renewable fuels have a much smaller carbon footprint than if they're just simply using petroleum products and in their engines. So it's an argument we can make from um, any side of the aisle and, and any position that we take. I see this as a continuing upside for those that are working in renewable fuels. So we continue to push on that issue. If we see the EPA reducing those volumes, it has significant impact um, to what we're doing in Iowa, um, whether it's cellulosic, whether it's uh, you know soybeans and, and biodiesel fuel, whether it's ethanol. So we will keep pushing on this. I think that we're moving um we're moving in the right direction with our pushes uh, against the EPA and encouraging them to set the higher levels of volume obligation. Uh, earlier this year, avian influenza devastated your poultry industry in the state and other states of the U.S. What have we learned from that incident, and do you think we're better prepared in this fall season? Yes, I do think that we are better prepared for the fall season. Avian influenza was very, very devastating in Iowa. And out of, I believe it was right around 48 million birds across the United States that were destroyed. And approximately two-thirds of the birds that were destroyed were from Iowa. So we have a huge hen-laying, egg-laying population. We have a turkey population and broiler population that uh, really took it very hard. So we know now we've had many, many meetings with the Department of Agriculture at the federal level and within our state as well. And the USDA has released a comprehensive plan to address any potential outbreak of um, the pathogenic avian influenza for this fall. So I have been reviewing that proposed plan and making sure that our farmers and producers in Iowa and across the country have those necessary safeguards in place uh, so that they can prepare for and respond to any future outbreak as we see those um, migratory waterfowl uh, returning. So I do believe that we are better prepared 
I think the USDA has taken this uh, very seriously. It was a little difficult at uh, the start of the avian influenza season. We really did have to push the USDA a little bit to get them better engaged with our producers in the state and responding to the crisis. But I do believe that they are moving forward in in a, a very positive manner to control any future outbreak that we might have. Senator Ernst, we want to thank you for spending time with us here on Open Mic. It is an open mic, and the audience is yours. Well, thanks so much. I, I do want to take time and, and again, go back to food security for our world. I just returned also from a trip over our recess period uh, to the Middle East. Uh, this is the first time I had returned to Iraq since uh, 2003-2004 when I was deployed with the Iowa Army National Guard. And I saw in Iraq, in Kuwait, in Afghanistan, uh, the need for reliable food sources and the technology that we develop in agriculture. So whether it's through GMOs, whether it's through other technology, I understand the significance of making sure that we're reaching out to other countries around this world and providing stability in those nations because the more stable those countries are, the less likely we are to have to engage our military men and women overseas. Food security is very, very important. And uh, I just want to give a quick shout out to uh, all of the folks across the United States that do serve in our armed services and, and thank them for their support in a number of these efforts. And also to our good farmer and rancher friends, thanks for being so engaged. We appreciate it. We appreciate your assistance to the United States and also to these countries overseas. Our thanks to Iowa Senator Joni Ernst, our guest this week on Open Mic. AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by the American Sugar Alliance. The American Sugar Alliance is a national coalition of sugar farmers, processors, refiners, and suppliers dedicated to preserving a strong sugar industry. Learn more at sugaralliance.org. For AgriPulse, I'm Jeff Alley. 